Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly and Amy and Kristen. And today we are joined by another very special guest, Laura Bartlett. And what you're going to love about the story, which is a lot of what we love about Laura's story, is that she is representative that the quote, average everyday person can just do something to help your fellow man. And over the last few years, one of the great things that happened in 2020, we did see, I mean, other than the fact that we were all isolated from one another, pretty quickly we saw the helpers show up, right? Certainly the first responders, people who didn't know what they were walking into, walked into situations to help their fellow man, whether it was a nurse or a doctor. But then pretty soon we saw people doing whatever they could to help each other out. It's one of the beautiful things I think about what humans can be. And certainly I think a lot of the spirit of the, of Americans is really embodied in that. And Laura is no different. Now, another topic you've heard us talk about on the podcast is medical error and the importance of being your own patient advocate, having people around you be your own patient advocate when it comes to your your healthcare. We cannot, if you didn't learn this, Over uh, the last few years, you cannot just trust, put your health, give all your autonomy over to someone else. You have to be informed, you have to try to be informed, and you have to be prepared. And we have seen this firsthand, and when we were introduced to Laura through my good friend, Rose Gallo Rojas, hi Rose, Um, we realized Laura has something we want everyone to know about which is a resource, which is a powerful resource, which is basically for you to use when you need medical care. So Laura, thank you so much for being with us. Will you share with our audience? Because I know by trade, you're a comedian. And even though this episode is, we're not going to try to be funny, (laughs) I promise. But you, again, this is not your background. How did you get involved in patient advocacy? Well, my brother's a doctor. And uh, he was one of the first doctors that came out with any any sort of early treatment, uh, the budesonide protocol. And so when in 2020, early on, when he told me about it, knowing, you know, my background is uh, PR, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a comedy producer, comedian, you said that I invented a gadget that actually Shark Tank reached out and asked me to be on their show. And so um, I'm an inventor by nature, a problem solver. And so I said, this is a problem we need to solve. And, um, you know, let, let's join together and figure out how we're going to get this message out to the world. And, and we did within 
I guess, um, just a few weeks of him telling me that, hey, this is working, budesonide, which was proven by Oxford University uh, trial to be 90% effective uh, for early treatment, uh, preventing hospitalizations and urgent care. I was like, we got to tell people about this. And so went to the media, got got a quick little blurb on local uh, local affiliate, and then it just took off. And on social media, it or yeah, it was the social YouTube. I'd consider that social media. It was um, it was viral. It went around the world, had five million views within just a few days. And then YouTube said, "Hey, that's too many. Too many people know about this. Let's turn. Let's shut this down." And so they they pulled the video. And so um, people had mirrored it, thankfully, and it just it kept going and going and going. So who knows? It probably has you know tens count countless millions by now. Um, but anywho, it, uh, it got the word out and I'm so grateful for that. And during that journey of going around from, from talk to talk and TV station to TV station and, um, radio station to radio station with my brother as his, as his media person, um, helping with messaging and, and media relations, I learned a lot osmosively. And, um, I, I, you know, during the process, people were reaching out to him saying, you know, I, I saw your interview and, and, uh, can you help me? And I, I kept hearing about people in hospitals that, uh, this, you know, maybe they didn't know about early treatment. They landed in the hospital in the last couple of years. Um, and it was originally COVID that they were reaching out. Now it's you guys, it's for urinary tract infections that I'm being called. Um, but in the process of, of doing, the media and getting the the message out, um, I thought, you know what? The, the inventor side of my brain was like, why isn't there some sort of way for people to connect with some some information, some help? Because what they needed was somebody on the outside, <laughs> kind of feels like the prison system. You know, you've got your your inner workings of the system. And then on the outside, there's people who who can communicate through the the glass wall and help you and give you encouragement and hope. And it's more than hope. It's literally we're rescuing. I'm rescuing people. My brother isn't doing this, but the hotline was established so that people would have a voice from the outside that might know something. And I was fortunate enough to have a hospital, a former hospital insider, somebody who was a RN, Jade and a JD, who is a former hospital administrator. Wow. That's the inside. That's, That's somebody who knows how the system works, right? And um, and knows how to how to make uh make your wishes known and make them count. And in the process, there was a collaborative effort that um, with a team of people that came together, and we created the hospital hostage hotline. And um, we've been helping people all over America. I'm currently helping somebody in. New Jersey and uh, uh, Ohio, uh, you know, for, for various things. And it's like I said, everything now seems to be non-COVID that automatically becomes COVID. It could be pink eye and it's COVID pink eye. And what I need to tell everybody is that uh, picture yourself in a car wreck. Picture, picture, picture yourself, you're, you're, you're just going about your normal day and you get blindsided and your guts literally are all over the highway. You got to get scooped up. You're unconscious. You're brought to the nearest ER. How are you going to, how are you going to advocate for yourself? 
Well, I can tell you how to do that. You're going to need the documents at ourpatientrights.com. And they're like no other document that's ever, ever existed. You guys, it's going to flip the hospital uh, system upside down in a good way. Because for once, there's a document that has teeth. And it puts the doctors on notice that if you violate my my First Amendment right, my my religious right to my deeply held religious, spiritual uh, beliefs about whatever treatment, then you will be reported to the state medical board. Which you is, will be reported. Which we know. We interviewed Jody O'Malley just a couple of weeks ago, and she talks about this. She was a whistleblower nurse, and she mm -hmm. said, you know, a mark on your record as a yes. nurse or a doctor is a huge deal. They do not want them. And it's not something you should use flippantly, but certainly we do need to hold people accountable. No, you're, if, flagrantly. You're right. Listen, I've got, I've, I'm in a medical family. I'm surrounded by them. Right. I'm just, I'm, I went, I went off script and did something other than medicine <laughs> with my life. I, I got, I escaped the family business. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and what happened was um, in the process, I learned a lot and I know that um, there's frivolous lawsuits, you know, medical complaints. I hate those. I hate that. Uh, listen, my, I know my brother was one of the first to start helping people and he got, you know, all kinds of ridiculous um, accusations and and uh, and of course you know the board can be used uh, in the inappropriate ways. But the appropriate way to use it is to make a complaint if your patient right right is uh -huh. your rights are violated. That's okay. it. That's and it. That's, it's clearly stated in our documents that if you violate our patient rights, our informed consent. This is all about informed consent. That's and right. doctors are giving informed consent. I was just on a, a call yesterday with a doctor um, advocating and um, and there was no informed consent. I literally had to drag it out of him. Yep. And that's a lot of times, let's just to recap, in case you've been living under a rock, over the last few years, what came to light was, for example, if you think you have there were people in the medical communities and certainly in those three-letter organizations that will lead you to believe you do not have a choice as to what is injected into your body. There were, and certainly there were mandates that made it seem like you would have no choice. What Laura is pointing you to is there, you do have legal rights and you need to know them and you need to have the documents in hand or accessible so that God forbid, if you have to go to the hospital, your medical care is being instructed by your choices. That's what this is, because what we realized was, just like Laura said, it's the same way we found out that if you, if as we would take our kids to see the pediatrician and we would say, what can you give me the inserts on these, uh, you know, vaccinations, you'll find that a lot of times doctors don't even know the side effects that are listed in the insert, nor do they even know where to go find it to give it to you. So again, this is about being informed. This is about being informed, knowing your rights and knowing how to exercise those rights. Laura, we have a video uh, clip of a phone call. And um, that, that this lady from Salt Lake City calls into you. We want our listeners to hear an example of what it's like to get in touch with you. Now, again, it's hospitalhostagehelp.com is where you all can go to see what Laura's talking about. Here is a phone call that Laura got. I'm going to play two videos, actually, so that once you hear an example, you're also going to hear about how what Laura's doing matters, how it might help you or someone you love and why you all need to know about it. So take a listen. Laura, this is Joyce in Salt Lake City. I'm rushing to the hospital 
because in a conference call with Kayla, that nasty doctor who was nasty to us from the very first, he said that Frank is on comfort care. I said, that's the first I heard of this. He hasn't, supposedly, he hasn't had dialysis or food since Monday, but I think they did it before. That's why they haven't been talking to me. My husband, even his pastor who wanted to pray with him Monday night, and now they're killing him. <clears throat> so this is a woman that you can see. We'll show you the video on Rumble. Um, we can share it with you guys, but it is a woman talking about her husband. They put him in hospice care without any permission. They've stopped giving him his normal treatments without the permission of his advocate, which was his wife. Now let's take a listen to this. I realized immediately that they would not listen to me. They would not, they were violating her rights, her wishes, you know, just, we couldn't get anywhere. I mean, we were hitting a brick wall or it was gut-wrenching. It was horrible. And um, we reached out, we had a friend that knew Laura. He gave us her contact info and Laura just so graciously shared so much information with me and worked with me and my family throughout the whole process of, I mean, she was so great because we would call her and say, this is what they said now. And she's like, not true. But I wouldn't have known anything if it wasn't for Laura. And with all of that being done, you know, thank God, you know, we ended up saving my mom's life. We had her off oxygen in 30 hours after getting her on Pugestine. And um, we, we had her weaned off. She's healed. They same thing. They told it to Samantha's mom. Your mother will always be on oxygen if she lives. Uh, they were trying to send her to a long-term care facility. So no, absolutely not. And that's important for people to know. But they just wouldn't work with us in any way. And they would barely tell us what doses they were giving and how much and things like that. It was, it was very difficult. Um, and then, of course, uh, isolation, so no visitation. And that was a solid two weeks. Um, so it was it was pretty rough. But, but, you know, that was the first time we'd been through something like this. Um, and uh, if, if we didn't have... Laura, you guys to talk with to even try new things. We would never have known um, even questions to ask um, that, that we had those rights to, you know, a number of things throughout that whole two weeks period. When they, she got into the hospital, it was like they went from zero to 10, just everything that they can to get her just down as fast as possible. It's like, okay, so I knew we got to do something. So I found a video, not on YouTube, on, um, a different platform that doesn't censor as much and and at the bottom of it had the link to protocolkills.com i don't even remember the video i found protocol kills i emailed greta uh i called the number that was listed and then within a couple hours uh laura called me back i missed the call and i was like oh wow so within moments i was able to get connected when you hear the truth and they give you here budesonide these other things you know and they're listing out the plan of action that works and you hear that truth it's like it sets right in your spirit it's like okay 
we are gonna fight for this now. Reach out for help and then be confident in the in and ask yourself, you know, does that truth that you're hearing, does it feel right? Does it feel and, and rest on that, lean into it, and it's scary, but you've got to trust the people that are speaking life in you from their experience. And that's why this hotline thing is huge because again, as Greta said, yes, it was all on the website. To be able to speak to somebody on the phone and have a peace of mind and feel encouraged and know, okay, so the fact that we got grandma out, I was like, oh my gosh, like it was like such a fight. Okay guys, so we're gonna make sure you have this information that you can access as well. Laura, you've been manning the phones for a while. As you said, it started with COVID and we all have stories of people we knew that were literally, in fact, one of our most listened to episodes was Matt and Summer Buchanan who were um, fighting for their his wife to get um, um, Ivermectin. Thank you, Ivermectin in the hospital and she turned around immediately and survived. And so we all know these stories and you've been working with these COVID patients. Now we know you're helping people with all kinds of things, but Laura, we know you can't scale you into a million people, right? So what's your vision and plan to um, continue growing the resources so that people can be find someone on the phone like these people found you? Well, thank you for asking because Actually, what here's my call to action for people. People ask me, gosh, let me donate to you. I'm like, this is a not not just a nonprofit. This is a no profit. This is a no profit. There's no benefit to me personally other than doing what God wants me to do. I'm a Christian and this is what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, um, which there's no better feeling than doing what you think, you know, what you know you should be doing. But um, the what I can ask your your listeners, your your viewers to do is if you would like to help me and help humanity not suffer the consequences of being in a hospital without knowing this, can you be a volunteer um, uh, notary? Can you get can you get your notary? Because I'll tell you how we can use that. Notary or a courier. We need notaries and couriers all over the country, okay? Because part of the process of getting these documents seen uh, and put into your me electronic medical record, there's a very systematic way. And this is this is from the insider, okay? The, the, the former hospital administrator, RNJD, okay? There's, that's a very unusual animal, okay? <laughs> and this person knows how to not have this thing get thrown in the trash can, set aside and accidentally lost, right? And part of the process, which is clearly uh, outlined at ourpatientrights.com, everybody go there. Everybody go there. I want to make me obsolete. This is not a business. Like I said, it's a no profit. So if we can just get people advocating for themselves and being proactive and an active participant in their own health care, meaning don't just walk into the hospital and say, fix me, and, and that's it. Then and and do I have insurance or not insurance? That that used to be the only concern, right? But be an active participant ahead of time. Get these documents. There's three different uh, buckets of documents. One's for the patient, one's for the power of attorney, and one's for the surrogate. I would like everybody, just everybody, have these documents in mass. Go into the hospital. It'll change things when the doctor has clearly. Uh, clearly stated language. I'm going to read it to you. In addition, in the event that I am unable to report 
to the medical board, any physician who violates my carefully planned and intentional wishes or violates my patient rights and informed consent or dishonors my deeply held religious and spiritual beliefs, I direct my legal surrogate to report to the medical board any physician who does not honor my carefully planned and intentional wishes or violates my patient rights and informed consent or dishonors my deeply held religious spiritual beliefs. That form, which has different things that, different options of things that we, I I believe are, are dangerous for me. If you too want to agree with that, I'm not pushing my, my beliefs, like for instance, remdesivir, then you can initial next to the different items on that form and there's blanks for you to add things. Perhaps you have an allergy to something and you can customize it, tailor it, make it your own. As they say on a particular talent show, make it your own song, make it your own thing and then get it signed and notarized and then make copies, keep the original for yourself. And then this is where the, the courier and the certified mail comes in. I need couriers and and um, uh, people who can just be go-to errand people, okay, uh, to, for these people all over the country. Because when you're in a hospital, you are stressed and you have very little time and resources. I To make this work, it needs to be certified mailed to the CEO of the hospital, okay? Because they have their own secretary, secretary that handles things promptly. It will, trust me, it will get in that electronic medical record faster and more um, more surely than if you handed it to a nurse or a therapist or the front, you know, the charge nurse, it's going to get in there. Okay. Because it's now, oh gosh, is this, is this a legal document that I need to do something with that has a time uh, stamp on it? So that's the way to do it. Also get it couriered because they can't turn down a courier. They're not taking things from patients. Okay. If you, if a patient said, these are my wishes, a lot of times they'll go, I, I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't want that. Mm. If you want to make sure that it's in your electronic medical record, get it couriered. Like the instructions tell you, you're going to make copies. You're going to keep the original for yourself. I want everybody in America to have this before they need it. You need to have your wishes known in writing because how many times would you be able to enforce anything that's a, you know, a contract, say it's a business contract and uh, you worked really hard to build a company. It's it's worth millions of dollars. And you say, you know, we we shook hands on it. We agreed. Remember that time we had drinks and we said, you know, you're 50% and I'm 50%. No, you need to have it in writing. And you need to have it writing before you go in. Because who knows, even if you were conscious before, you know, when you went into the ER, you may fall unconscious for some reason. Um, maybe it's the meds they give you or or the the condition you walked in with and you're not able to advocate for yourself. So have it ahead of time. Pick a surrogate or an advocate also in your family, a power of attorney that has balls. Get somebody who will fight for you, not yes. just your best friend, not just your mom, not just your your sister. We're, we're really good friends and we go on vacation all the time. That's not who you need. You need somebody right. who will get in there and advocate and say, you know, in the case of COVID, no ventilator. I said, no, I'm standing legally in my, my friend's shoes or in my sister's shoes, in my, my father's shoes legally. And I know, regardless of what I think, I know he said no ventilator. He said, employ all life-saving measures. He said he would never sign a DNR. So you better not sign a DNR. You need somebody who will actually fight. Yes. Have you had, um, 
do you have any stories of, I mean, have, yes. y'all, have y'all reported to the medical board? Have you the, reported somebody yet or have you the, like, them enough where they have uh, backed down or actually done what they're supposed to do? And actually, well, both cases, right both thing. cases, um, th- doing what they're supposed to do because of the documents. Uh, and there's a story from Scott Scar. Do you guys know our amazing grace? Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. And uh, Scott, the, the father of the daughter who the doctor signed a DNR without the families. Yes. OK. Yes, that's I was in an airport. I was in an airport about to board a plane. And he talks about this on a on He was interviewed. I totally had forgotten about it. And he just like a week ago, um, someone sent it to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot I was going to, I was involved in that because I'm involved in a lot of cases, but I was about to board the plane. I was in line to get on the plane and I get this, this call from, uh, regarding Scott advocating for somebody else in Wisconsin. I'm in at the time, Ohio. Okay. I was traveling around and I was about to board a plane to Dallas and, I I knew he needed documents for this person he was advocating for who had a very he had a serious medical condition it's an adult who's about 45 pounds okay it's a muscle wasting i forget the name of the disease he's in a wheelchair and it's not looking good they'd already given him one round of remdesivir i said okay where are you i'm on my way to the hospital scott says i said okay you need to turn the car around. You need to go go to a, a print shop, Get uh, go to this website, get the documents. Do I really need to do that? I mean, I'm five minutes from the hospital. Yes, you do. He turns around. He goes to get the documents. Long story short, he gets them through a series, a crazy situation. Couldn't get to a print shop, went to a bank and said, do me a favor. Oh <laughs> Can God. you get these printed for me? Because the print shop's closed. Okay. He gets these documents, gets them to the the hospital. They stop remdesivir. Okay. Mm. Telling them wasn't enough. Telling the wishes isn't enough. You need to have teeth in this. You need to have something that's a consequence to the doctor because the doctor has a paycheck and a boss that has told him this is the way this company works. You're going to do this protocol. You're going to follow these these sorts of um, guidelines, right? That's who pays his paycheck. But you know who becomes a bigger voice than the the person who writes his paycheck is the person who can take away his paycheck being a doctor. Right. Okay. If that's how you that's how you affect change. You go in to the hospital scenario and look, I love good doctors. I've got them in my family. I'm in I'm an anomaly that I'm not a doctor. I, my mom was a nurse. I've got nurses in my family, doctors in my family, surgeons in my family. Okay. But they're good. They do the right thing. Just don't violate in the patient's right to inform consent. If they say no, it means no. Just like if you're dating somebody and you say no means no. It really means no. Well, not, well, not for you to try to persuade me. It means no. Laura, what about, uh, we, we heard a lot about the Right to Try Act, which I think was passed under Trump, perhaps, where you, you know, a patient could say if they were in a certain situation, they could say, I, I want a doctor to try this. And then the, the doctor would have to do that. And we, we, we were understanding at one point in 2020 that you could use that right to try act in hospitals to say, I want to try budesonide. I want to try ivermectin. I want to try hydrochloric, yeah. whatever. Okay. This is a good. We heard people were then still denied 
even with the right to try act, was that a violation of their rights or what do you understand about that? Well, what I understand is that if you want to try something, you should be able to try something. Okay. You're, you know, you, you know, the risk, you know, the benefits, but it's your body, right? And I know this is what I'm going to give you some tips. Okay. For the listeners, uh, because I can't be all places and all, and I don't want to be, and I'm not the end all be all, but I can tell you from my experience that this is the way doctors will usually say it. I've got something that's, oh, better. It's stronger. Okay. Like let's get, let's give you a scenario of budesonide. They're both steroids, budesonide and dexamethasone. Dexamethasone is a total body steroid. It has way more risk than budesonide, which is targeted just to your lungs for lung inflammation. And you give it to two pound preemie babies. Hospitals do all the time. It's in hospital pharmacies. It's, you know, this it's, it's got a huge safety profile. It's, it's amazing. Kids carry it around their backpacks every day. Millions of kids use it every single day, not just for a few days in the hospital. I mean, every single day is a preventative for asthma attacks, right? And so you've got two things here. One's being pushed, dexamethasone. When they come at you, when the doctor comes at you and says, you know, uh, this is better. This has, uh, this is part of the protocol. And this says, um, this is stronger. You say, okay, I understand. I understand that you, you have your, uh, you've given me that information, but I want to try it. And I want to do a trial. Give me a three-day trial. If, if nothing gets worse, we want to continue. It may, it may actually get better, but we want to try it just for a three-day trial. Those are the words, the three-day trials. I also want people to use the words, what is the indication for that medication? Okay. That's, you need to ask that. What is the indication for that? Don't just accept we're going to give you this for that condition. This medicine or this type of medicine, like let's say high blood medication, high blood pressure medication for your high blood pressure. That's not enough. I want to know the name. I want to know the dose. I want to know the route. I want to know the frequency. And I want to know that medication or adverse effects that, and I want to know. Yes. (laughs) I want to know the adverse effects. I also want to know. I asked somebody yesterday, I asked a doctor, well, what's your success rate with that? Mm -hmm. Just sit there. Remdesivir, what's your success rate? Yep. He had the Great. gall to tell me it was 90% effective in front of the patient. And I, I said, did you have half a patient? <laughs> yeah, what, what's, what's the scope of your, of your sample size here? Right. To be 90%. I, 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 frankly, I, I don't believe that. that. Right. Then I, then I asked about dexamethasone, you know, about the um, success. What's your success rate with, with that? Well, I don't know numbers. He goes, I'm, I don't have, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't have things memorized. Like, what is this, a memory test? I could easily come up with a number 90, 90% right. for budesonide. And then, you know, so anyway, let doctors do their job. They can be doctors, but you can ask questions. And I encourage everybody to ask those questions. What's the indication for what you're suggesting? What's the care plan? Let's say that you're, on a ventilator, what's the care plan to get off the ventilator? It's not enough just to say, well, we're just gonna, we're just gonna give it time. Right. No. 
I was doing that outside the hospital. I was just kind of giving myself time until I died. I mean, that's what we all do. That's not a care plan. I want to know the care plan. That's the language to use. What's the indication? What's the care plan? What's the risk? What's the benefit? I need to be informed. I need informed consent. What's the, what's your success rate doctor with what you're suggesting? I mean, I think it's kind of a stupid idea if you were to suggest something that literally works maybe 3% of the time or 10% of the time. I think it's just so important for everybody to realize you may not, this is just like any accident, anything that happens, it can happen to you. And you may not think that it's going to happen. You may not think that this is the world that we live in, but unfortunately we are here. And the issue is it's not even just you. It's that I know during COVID they weren't letting anybody come in to advocate. And then you're trying to call and they're not answering the phones. Okay. It may have been intentional, may not, because they were probably so busy. I get that. But you have got to know how to work the system to save your life or to save someone's life. So I can't stress it enough how important it is to have these forms filled out and to be prepared. Can I say something? Let me tell you how important it is. I had a 93-year-old that I was advocating for. She was not in there for COVID. She was not. It was something else that was actually a misdiagnosis. She was in the hospital and she uh, got the bill of health, you know, that you're going to be discharged in the morning. This is important to know. The hospital was going to discharge her in the morning. That night, after several nights in the hospital, she decided I've had enough. She had been uh, figuratively chased around the hospital five times for a vaccine. They tried to put a uh, injection in her arm five times, five times. She said, no. No, no, no. Okay. The the night before she decided I've had enough, they tried again. And she said, that's it. So she pushed the call, but she decided I'm going to go, I'm going to check myself out like 12 hours before they were going to discharge her AMA against medical advice. That's what that means. Don't be scared by that word. If a doctor says you can't, well, you can go AMA. That sounds scary. What does that mean? They don't explain it. It means against medical advice, which means you can't be kidnapped. Okay. You can leave if you want to go. You can go. You can go anytime you want to go. You can just walk out. Okay. And I've I've helped some a lot of people just walk out in a hospital gown, barefoot. But showing and a catheter dangling between their legs. I've that's happened. That was in New Jersey. Okay. And he's alive and well. And he just did a three, just checked up on him. That was back in 2020. And uh his son said, We just went for a three-mile walk, dad and I. Okay. Now let me tell you something. You you would not believe if you that this even occurs, that you go in for one problem, say it's urinary tract infection or pink eye they're going to immediately want to COVID test you. And that test result, if it's positive, fast tracks you towards a protocol that ends at ventilator with 10% chance of living. Doesn't matter if it's COVID, if it's pink eye, doesn't matter if it's you know bunions. I don't know what your problem is. It could be a urinary tract infection like this gentleman in New Jersey and somebody I'm helping coincidentally again in New Jersey. I had them talk yesterday together, like, please convince this person of your situation that exists, get him out. Okay. Um, They will also um, immediately 
try to get you injected with all kinds of things. That was within the first couple hours. Okay. So just know that unless you have it in writing that, no, I don't want this and I don't want that. And I don't want that. And I don't want that with what I read you on my, my phone from our website, the document language that says, if you violate my wishes, my patient right to inform consent, my wishes, my medical directives and my informed consent, you will be reported whether I'm unconscious or not. I've appointed a surrogate. You're going to be reported. The doctor then will say, oh my gosh, okay, maybe I'll let this one go. You know, like when you're fishing and they give you a, a fight. Okay. Maybe I'll let that one go. This there's, there's easier fish to catch, but it is financially incentivized right now it is not the hospitals that you remember for three years. I've been dealing with this. That woman that I mentioned back to the 93 year old pushed the, the call button for 20 to 30 minutes. Nobody came. That's a dangerous situation. She could have fallen out of bed. A number of things could have happened. Nobody came to her aid. Then she started unhooking herself took out her her port. She had a port for, for antibiotics, to, or I can't remember what it was. It took it out, okay? Started disconnecting herself. And buzzers and alarms went off. Nobody came. Yeah. She called her family and said, I'm, I'm safe for home. I don't feel safe. I could fall asleep. They could, they could do something to me while I'm asleep. She was a very sharp 93-year-old. Sure, family came, wheeled her past a bunch of snickering and jeering and laughing and pointing uh, personnel in the hospital. She got home and about 30 minutes later, she hears, I'm on the phone with her. Like, you're out? Thank God. Let's all celebrate. She's feeling relieved and she hears on the front door. Police. The hospital had called police on her. Oh my gosh. I advised her. You've, you have not broken any laws. You don't need to open your door. <laughs> this is what I believe they were wanting to do. They were wanting to build a case against her senior daughter for elder abuse. Oh, So get the documents. Yes. Get the documents. Get the documents. Get the documents. You need to cover yourself now before you go in. Because once you cross the threshold of a hospital... Yep. Things are not the same anymore in there. You, you ver you're voiceless to a large degree. There's some states where you can't visit or they restrict the visitation to just a few hours. I have some family members, can, the ones who are passive, get to see the, the patient. The one who advocates strongly, the one with balls, um, is the one who's restricted to two hours right now. Yeah. You only can see them between this time and this time, and that's it. Is well, that what's happening the other times? There's still COVID policies in these hospitals then for like how long you can see. Is well, that, no, or is this no, just what I'm saying is they arbitrarily can decide. Okay. okay. Yeah. They can okay. arbitrarily decide that um, you, because you <laughs> pose maybe a threat mm -hmm. uh, to the agenda. Yeah. It's a very peaceable person. I've talked to this person many times. They just want patient rights, you know, not trampled on. Yeah. They're they're restricted now. They just can make up rules like that. Wow. It has yeah. nothing to do with COVID. This is not about COVID, people. Right. COVID, for the most part, is over on the outside of those walls. Inside the hospital, there's still financial incentive for giving a COVID shot and for multiple COVID shots. 
there's incentive for a protocol. Okay. And the doctors feel beholden to do it until yeah. you give them a better reason not to. And, and that's the thing, Holly, I know you're going to wrap it up, but the Courage to Face COVID, the, the book with uh, Dr. McCullough and John Leake, this has some a lot of stories similar to what you're talking about and where people actually died. But And it's horrible. Like, I mean, but it's also gives you, it empowers you because it makes you so mad. You're like, this can't keep happening. But what scared me and what I didn't realize, and Laura, you've probably seen all this, is that even at people would go to court. And it, they would say, okay, it is okay for the, the doctor to administer or for you to take this to the patient. This Legal is not the way. Legal is not the way. Is that the hospital reneged the court order. So the yeah. hospital makes their own rules. Yeah. Essentially, that if, if you take anything away from this, they make their own rules. You walk in, you have, I mean, you should have right. You got to appeal. You got to appeal to the doctor. I'm telling you, right. this is the secret sauce. Nobody's telling you. That book isn't telling you. I haven't heard another doctor say it. You've got the doctor is the only one who can make changes to your care plan. Right. It's the doctor you appeal to, not to the, the only reason we're sending the paperwork to the CEO is the CEO thinks, oh my gosh, I got to open this mail, right? And then they will fast track it into your, your electronic medical record. Patients need to get into their electronic medical record too. They need to have eyes on what it is that the doctor's doing. I've had a situation where just like a couple of weeks ago where the doctor said, I'm not giving them, but just these drugs. The patient finally got into their electronic medical portal or record and saw that they were giving fentanyl PRN every hour. Oh. Okay, that doesn't feel like you're not giving him an opioid. You're giving him, you're giving him fentanyl every hour as you think he needs it. Mm. Okay. So I'm just telling you that you've got to double check their what they tell you. You need to take control. You need to know your rights and assert them, not just know them, but assert them. And and the power lies in, in the doctors and nurses knowing they could be personally held liable yeah. for yeah, but it's action of, of respecting your rights. In other words, it could go against their record. It could they more could the doctor. More the doctor. Yes, you can report the nurses, but the nurses have to do what the doctor tells them to do. I'm saying the doctor is the one who orders things. Mm -hmm. You need to have this type of tone. You don't order, listen, here's my medical directives. Or here's that person in, in that room's medical directives because they've, they gave me these afterwards, after the fact, right? These are the medical records. I know what this person wants. And doctor, you, you will not order a medication. You will not order a treatment without first getting consent. Right. You have to get consent because oh. these are the, these are the consequences. You will be reported to the state medical board. If everybody came in mass and did that, yeah. imagine yeah. how it would change the system. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it should be that way. I mean, the fact that we've gotten to this place where that's not seeming to be the norm anymore is super frightening. But we have to also remember, I remember uh, we, we talked about this in the beginning of our podcast, how medical error, you know, there was a study done that showed medical error is the third leading cause of death in the United States. And my mom died that way. Yeah, right. I mean, on Mother's Day. Oh, your mom did? Yeah. Oh. So I'm, I have a particular empathy yes. for the people I'm helping. This is why I really connect to these people and I still remain uh, friends with them yes. years later. You know, it's been since 2020. I still am in relationship with these people. They call me all the time. What can I do, Laura? Can I talk to somebody? Can I, can I help? Yeah. Can you pray for me? Right. Okay. There's, these are relationships that mean something to me because I've been there. I've walked in those shoes. Right. Um, volunteer advocates too. I know you said that you need volunteers. Yeah, just every, 
I've got, I've got a team. I'm okay. so grateful that people have stepped up to help me. Okay. Uh, nurses. Mm -hmm. I've got, <clears throat> you know, like I said, I've got an insider. That's the biggest advocate and it's a negotiation. It's literally like, I call it a hospital hostage um, hotline because for a real, for a very important reason, because they're told they can't leave. I had somebody um, that I was talking to on the phone, a, a doctor with the patient's family. And the, the doctor said, I, I said, can you please retest this person? It's been weeks since you had the original test. By the time they called me, it had been weeks. I said, um, they may not be COVID anymore, you know? And the doctor said, no, we don't do that. We won't do that. for Because they could be, uh, we won't test for three months. And I said, what? I said, then we'll retest. I said, family, would you like to go get a, a test at CVS and bring it in and, re and retest? And they said, well, it would, the doctor chimed in. It wouldn't matter. It's not going to change anything. He's he's not going to have a, a, a change to his treatment plan. I said, well, it may change things for the, the family. I said, I think it would change the family's uh, ideas on a lot of things. For instance, if he's not COVID positive, they might go home. Oh, well, he can't do that, said the doctor. I said, what? I said, he can leave. He can leave. I said, family, he can leave. It's called AMA. Well, the doctor chimes, oh, well, against medical advice. Well, of course. Well, what'd you think I was talking about? AMA, apples, mayonnaise, and carrots, or, you know, or asparagus. I mean, what do you, what'd you think yeah. that stood for? The doctor knew good and well what that stood for. It's, it's the system. So, You've seen it. The system is established. The system has worked a certain way for a certain amount of time. And the, most of us had no clue. And in, but when you find out, and I had that happen when I was 23, my husband was my advocate is the reason I'm alive today. It's because he fought for me in the hospital. Um, otherwise, I probably wouldn't be here, nor would our children. So that just goes to show you that it is important that you're aware of your rights and that you demand those rights be protected and that you get the care that you know you deserve. And um, and so with that, we are thankful for every doctor and every nurse who does respect the patients. Do right the right thing. And is doing the right thing. And there are lots of them. There are lots of them. We know lots of them are doing it. We don't want to demonize uh, 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 a certain group of people, but we do know that the system, the medical system has created this. And there's a lot of culpability all, 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 around, all around. So again, go to hospitalhostagehelp.com. And our patient, P-A-T-I-E-N-T, rights.com, our patientrights.com to fill out your forms so that you are prepared, God forbid, if you ever need them, you know exactly who you want on your side and they're informed of what your desires are. My sister, Anna, is my patient advocate because she would fight for the most natural route possible knowing that's what I would want. And so that's important for you guys. We want all of us to do this. All of us get informed. And again, if you can help Laura in this mission, that you want to connect with them as well, because certainly we need help to, to do this nonprofit, not no profit, no profit, no profit, no profit <laughs> organization. So just to help the masses get informed and, and save their own lives. Laura, that's what I do 24 seven. Listen, I'm tired listening to you. So I just think I thank you for doing it. I thank you for doing it. And I know we need it. I know we need it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You so are much. a hero. Yeah. We appreciate you. All right, yeah. girls. We'll see y'all later. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Hey, guys. It's Holly. 
When we wrap episodes of the podcast, we usually spend a few minutes chatting with our guests and thanking them for their time and giving them feedback on things that we learned from the episode. And in this particular episode, one of the first things that Laura talked about, and we agreed, was that this system of having something in place, some legal document in place, and having an advocate for your own health care also protects the doctor. And it was something that we wished we had discussed on air. But when the doctor has a document, a legal document that he or she can refer back to, to say, these are the patient's wishes, and I am allowing the patients to have their rights, it's actually a protection for the doctor as well. And we wanted to share that part because certainly when we have these conversations, we never want to, as we said in the episode, demonize anyone or any profession because we're very thankful for the many amazing doctors, nurses, administrators out there. We just want to say that having these documents in place and doing what we shared on this episode is to protect you and the medical profession as well. And we just wanted to make sure we included that.